Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know chapter 7 makes it plain. If you reject Jesus, you reject God. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. If you don't honor Jesus, you don't honor God. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love God. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have God. Chapter 7 makes that plain. If you've missed any of chapter 7, go pick up a CD copy in the bookstore. We saw also in chapter 7... Let me have your attention that Jesus kept confronting the Jewish leaders and claiming that he was God. And the more that he claimed deity, the hotter the hostility became and the rejection of him seemed to progress. Remember in chapter seven, verse three, go ahead and just travel with me around chapter seven. All right. Remember in chapter seven, verse three, his brothers rejected him. And then in verse 15 through 19, the Jewish leaders reject him. And then in Chapter 7, verse 20, the crowd rejected Jesus. This morning, we'll see the citizens of Jerusalem reject him. One by one, group by group, Jesus is rejected. Now, of all the claims that Jesus made, listen, I think over the last several weeks that we've been in chapter 7, I failed to tell you that all of all the claims that Jesus has made, and there have been many, The claim that he came down from heaven is the claim, is the statement that made the Jewish leaders most violent against him. Every time Jesus said, I came down from above, I'm the one that came from God. I know God, you don't know God. And when I'm done, I'm going back to God, to the place that I came from, heaven. It infuriated them, and besides claiming to be God, The claim that he came from heaven made them want to kill him. And the reason Jesus, you'll find as you look through the chapter, you'll find that Jesus continues to try to get them, are you listening? To understand that he came from heaven because it's important. Because if you can't understand or you can't receive or you can't accept the fact that Jesus came from heaven, then every other claim that Jesus makes will mean nothing to you. That's why he keeps telling them over and over and over. Got a pen? Three problems I'm going to give you. The Jerusalemites, and I didn't know what else to call the people who live in Jerusalem, so I call them Jerusalemites. The Jerusalemites faced in this section. Three problems the Jerusalemites faced in this section that we're going to talk about today. Problem number one, the problem of dense confusion. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean? I'll tell you in a minute. Verses 25 through 29. 
And then problem number two the Jerusalemites faced in this section is the problem of divided conviction in verse 30 through 32. And then problem number three, finally, we'll talk about the Jerusalemites face the problem of delayed conversion, which is probably the worst of all in verses 33 through 36. The problem of dense confusion, the problem of divided conviction, and the problem of delayed conversion. I've titled this sermon, The Divine Citizenship of Jesus. John chapter 7, saints, we pick up in verse 25. If you're looking at verse 25, say, I'm looking at it. And some of them are not looking at it. Look at verse 25. If you're looking at verse 25, say amen. Amen. And some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. And then Jesus cried out in verse 28, as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know, but I know him for I am from him and he sent me. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Somebody read it with me. Because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? And the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersia, dispersion among, or dysporia, dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention, if you will. If you've been with us, you know that chapter 7 is during the Feast of Tabernacles. And I told you that among the Jewish people, there were three mandatory feasts. Pray for me. There were three mandatory feasts that every male, Jewish male, had to attend. The Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is also, if you've got a pen and you're taking notes, it's also known as the Feast of Booths. This is an eight-day period where the people would camp out under the stars in the tents and remember the wilderness wandering, and moms and dads would tell their kids about the miracles during the wanderings, how God provided water from a rock, and how God provided, what is it, manna, bread from heaven, every day. You get the scene, moms and dads or kids are laying out in the grass under the stars up on the hill, and they're looking up in the stars, and, and mom and dad is telling them, you know, when we were so many years ago, way before you were even born, 
we were wandering around the wilderness because we wouldn't obey God. But God was gracious. God took care of us. He did? Yeah. He provided water from a, a rock. Can you imagine? Water came from a rock. Really? Wow. And every day, bread would be on the ground in the morning. We call it coriander seed. It's kind of sweet. It tastes like honey. It was a little bit of bread, and we could only get enough for that day. We couldn't get enough for the day after that, only each day. And then on a Sabbath, we could take enough for the next day just because it was a Sabbath, and the kids are intrigued as moms and dads are telling the story concerning the wilderness wandering, how God led them through the wilderness by day in a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, chapter 7 takes place during the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, and he goes to the temple, and he sits down. And were you with me? Not last week, but the week before last. Uh, raise your hand. Were you with me the week before last? Uh, did I ask y'all, did y'all see my video I sent y'all last week? Did I ask you that question already? I'm going to ask you again. Did y'all see my video I saw sent last week? It was fun, wasn't it? Those were pastors from all over the place and from all over Ireland. It was a great time. And so not last week, but the week before last, we talked about Jesus as he went into Jerusalem and because he had been doing some ministry in Galilee, remembering that he goes up to Jerusalem because you always go up to Jerusalem no matter where you are on the map. You always go up to Jerusalem. So Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. He goes into the temple. He sits down and he's handed a scroll by the priest on duty. And Jesus begins to expound from the Old Testament scriptures. Look at chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. And I'm confident Jesus was showing the people, lo, I've come in the volume of the book. The whole book speaks of me. And the people are amazed and speechless and dumbfounded and skeptical. And they're amazed that Jesus is so learned and so scholarly and so literary and so articulate and so profound. They were amazed at his flawless ability to teach. Look at verse 15. They said, how does this man know, what does it say, saints? Letters. He's never been to our schools. And then in verse 25, Jesus said, don't judge according to outward appearance, but judge according to righteous judgment. Get the scene. Jesus is so scholarly. And he doesn't look like one of their priests. Jesus probably showed up in a tattered robe, you know, just kind of raggedy, his feet probably crusty with the sandals looking all worn. He didn't look like a priest. He didn't look like a rabbi. People do that to me all the time. They say to me, well, you don't look like a pastor. And I tell them, what does a pastor look like? (laughs) Well, I don't know, but you don't look like one. I go, well, you're stupid. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Can I say that from the pulpit? Well, I guess I just did, didn't I? Well, you don't look like Jesus probably showed up and he sits down. Are y'all getting that? And he's looking all, man, had a haircut in three weeks. And he sits down and he's so articulate and knowledgeable. And they're like this. At the time, Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us that there were probably 30 plus seminaries in Jerusalem alone. And so they know that he's never enrolled in any of their schools. He's never taken part of their academia and they were dumbfounded. They were amazed. And Jesus said, don't look at the outward person. 
Don't judge me because I don't look like a rabbi, but judge according to righteous judgment. Don't judge according to appearance. Point number one in our outline, the problem of dense confusion. And you're probably like, what does that mean? Dense confusion in verse 25 through 29. Jesus was doing ministry in the area of the Galilee, I told you. But now he's moved toward Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to the place where the hatred and the hostility is intense. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, the first place we talked about, he goes is to the temple. Now get the scene. In these verses we just read, and most of chapter 7, if you go back and read it on your own, listen to me. Go back and read it on your own. You'll see and you'll get the feeling that Jesus just kind of is firing both barrels at these religious leaders as Jesus has defied them and shut them down and called them hypocrites. John chapter 7, look at verse 19. He told them, you claim to follow the laws of Moses. You don't even know how to interpret it. Not only that, you disobey it. Your logic is poor. Your insights are worse. Your knowledge is terrible. Your hypocrisy is gross. And they are dumbfounded and paralyzed. And it's interesting because Jesus said all these things to them. And did you notice they never reacted? They didn't move a muscle. They were stunned and speechless and no doubt publicly humiliated. Nobody did anything, which caused a lot of confusion. Look at verse 25. Some of the people from Jerusalem said, is not this he whom they seek to kill? Now, remember back in chapter 7, verse 20, they said, you're crazy. Jesus said, why are you trying to kill me? And people said to him, well, you're, you're, you're crazy. Nobody's trying to kill you. Obviously, these people didn't know that there was a plot to kill Jesus. But it seems like the Jerusalemites or the townspeople of Jerusalem knew of the plot to kill him. And now they're confused as to why the leaders are standing there and Jesus is speaking this way to them and they're not doing anything to shut him down and to close this guy's mouth. They sit there in dense confusion. Verse 25 and 26, isn't this the one that everybody's looking for? He's standing right there. He speaks boldly and they say nothing. Jesus is standing there ripping them up one side down the other and they don't even say anything. They don't even speak. Are y'all getting that? The people are completely confused and scratching their heads and they're thinking they must believe that he's the Messiah or something's not right. Now listen, I believe, listen to me, I believe that every word in the Bible, we can learn something from every single word in the Bible. If you believe it, clap your hands, say amen. We can learn a word. There's something from every word. So then the question of, do I believe that the Bible is an inerrant, infallible word of God? Well, I just answered it. Are you with me? Every word we can learn something from the Bible. Now, here's what we can learn from this. Sometimes silence can be misunderstood. Sometimes the best thing you can do is shut up. Amen. Do you know that's spiritual? It is spiritual to shut up. It's called the shut up ministry. Because <laughs> everything's a ministry in the church nowadays. Everything's a ministry. You know, you got the uh, get the glass of water ministry. 
Everything's a ministry. You know, you have a ministry, 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 ministry. Well, this is the shut up ministry, the spiritual shut up ministry. Sometimes the best thing you can do is shut up. Proverbs 17, 28, memory verse. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Now listen, here's a more contemporary vernacular. It is better to be quiet and let them think that you're a fool than to open your mouth and dispel all doubt. (laughs) Write it down. We can also see that sometimes silence isn't golden. Sometimes when you don't respond at all, you can be misunderstood. The rulers here are being misunderstood by some who think that they might actually be in favor of Jesus. It would be like Martin Luther speaking in the Vatican Square and the, and the Pope nor the papal Swiss guard say anything about it. Now couples, wives, this one's for you. Listen. <laughs> So, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Ladies, listen. Your husbands cannot, I repeat, read, cannot read your mind. Say amen, fellas. Now, all these men in here, I got four people clapping. Some of y'all scared of your wife. You're scared. Your husband cannot read your mind. Sometimes silence is not golden. I don't care how long you've been married. You still got to tell each other what the problem is. I know that's not proper English, but unless you tell us what the problem is, we can't guess. Fellas, say amen. Don't be scared. Y'all still said it a little sheepishly. Amen. <laughs> People speak up. Ladies, speak up. Tell us. Don't leave us to guess. It's ungodly. It's evil. Listen to this story. A wife became quite concerned over her husband's declining health. His color was very pale, and he had a terrible lack of energy for even the simplest of tasks. Well, after begging him over and over, he finally agreed to go to the doctor. The doctor examined him carefully and ran a full battery of tests to determine the man's illness. Well, after evaluating the test results, he called the woman into his office to give his prognosis. Your husband is suffering from a rare form of anemia and could die in just a few weeks. He went on to say, however, it can be successfully treated with the right care and diet. The wife was very relieved and she asked what kind of Action was necessary, and the doctor gave his prescription. You will need to get up every morning and fix a complete breakfast of pancakes, eggs, and bacon, etc. Make sure that he has a home-cooked lunch each afternoon and fresh baked bread and homemade soup. Dinner needs to be prepared and on the table when he gets home. Slippers waiting for him at the front door. The house needs to be immaculately cleaned. All of this is necessary so that we don't compromise his immune system and keep his stress level down. Also avoid any confrontations or arguments of any kind. The wife came out of the doctor's office with tears running down her face. And she looked at her husband and the husband looked at the wife and said, the news is bad, huh? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) 
stop it. <laughs> the news is bad, huh? What did the doctor say? And with tears and choked up in her voice, she said, the doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> In our text, the people are are densely confused because Jesus is speaking boldly and they aren't saying anything. Jesus always speaks boldly. He never backs off. Saints say amen. Jesus is boldness personified. Jesus stood in the face of those hostile people ready to kill him and he was bold and it didn't matter what they did. Interesting. Today, most people can't spell boldness. People are afraid of confrontation. Now people talk about people on Facebook. I know I ain't talking to nobody here. I'm just saying, okay? Or, or people send people a nasty gram through text message or email. Jesus said, if you got a problem with your brother, do what? Go to him. Jesus didn't say, if you got a problem with your brother, text him. He said, go to him. And I think we need bold Christians. Somebody clap your hand and say amen or something. We need Christians who, yes is yes, no is no. Yes is yes, no is no. I'm not afraid to say the name of Jesus. I'm not afraid to say the name of Jesus. People standing by the water cooler, listen, you want to clear the water cooler so you can get in and get your camel back filled up? I ain't telling them all this third service, so y'all blessed. Just walk up and say, oh, in Jesus' name, we got water in the cooler. And but that thing will clear out just like that. <laughs> then you just fill up your camel bag and go on back to work. <laughs> Get to the head of the line. I'm trying to help you. I'm your pastor. <laughs> Jesus says, I stand boldly, unashamed. In the face of hostile people and the citizens of Jerusalem were confused because the religious leaders, are y'all with me? The religious leaders aren't acting. They aren't responding. They don't know why they're not acting or why they're not responding. They ask themselves a question, but before they can even finish asking the question, verse 27, look at it. They know the answer and they say he can't be the Messiah because we know where his citizenship is. It's Nazareth. They know he's the son of Joseph and Mary. They're thinking there's no way he can be the Messiah, no way, because when Christ comes, no man knows where he's coming from, verse 27. You see, at that time, there was a tradition that that the Christ would appear suddenly. And what they had done is they had taken Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and they had taken Isaiah 53 and kind of misinterpreted both those verses to interpret that the Messiah, when he comes, is going to come, boom. Suddenly, he's just going to show up. It was at that point in verse 28. It was at that point that Jesus cried out, you know me and you know where I'm from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Listen, the word cried out. Got a pen? The word cried out means he yelled. It means croaked like a raven cried out, speak with a loud voice. Now, interesting. Jesus doesn't yell very often, but he does in our text. Jesus cried out because he's had it with their dense confusion and willful ignorance. Jesus says, you know me, 
and you know where I'm from. And there's a tone of sarcasm here. Like, so, so you know me, huh? You don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know anything about me. I've not come of myself. I've come from him who sent me, whom you don't even know. Ouch. You see, to the Jewish mind, that one hurt. Because Jesus is saying, you, the most religious, the most privileged, the most well-taught people in the world, the people with the very oracles of God, the Jewish scriptures, you don't even know God. And this is why you want to kill me, because I know God and I am from God and God sent me. And since you don't know him, you can't recognize me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.